1: Hello, everybody. I hope you're having a really good week. Boy, we are uh, just getting through the year here, aren't we? It's already February. Holy smokes. Time's flying. Uh, First of all, I wanted to talk about last week's show, so I got a lot of comments. (laughs) People saying, wow, somebody really made you mad. And, uh, you know, I guess I, I can get a little intense on things sometimes. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I wanted to give you an update on that particular situation. So um, what had happened was a doctor had told one of my clients to stop feeding his person and um, just let them go. And I had talked about how that person would um, dehydrate and how painful and ugly and horrible that process is. And if they were going to do that, then it would probably be better to just um, give him some pain medication for a hip injury he had in November and is still recovering from, and it is causing him pain, but uh, to give him some pain medication and he would be gone quickly. Uh, Lo and behold, my conversation with my client was on a Thursday and uh, his person passed away on Sunday. So, um, the moral of this story is: the person who has a diagnosis is already suffering. We don't need to pile that on. We don't. If if you're going to do something like that, don't make them suffer in the end. Make it quick. Make it painless, and let them be gone. Say goodbye, and and it can be over. And that's what happened. So uh, I know I have talked in the past about moving your loved one into a care community, but I want to revisit that today because I have several clients who are moving their person into a community and what, what the process looks like and how it can go better than you maybe think it will, and what steps you need to take to plan for that. And it comes up because it it almost never fails. It's, it's pretty foolproof that when someone is uh, nearing the place where they're going to need a care community and we're looking down that road at this time— Especially if they are unstable in their mechanics, uh, if they have, you know, poor uh, balance, if they have Parkinson's disease, if they have anything that is making them lean when they walk or, you know, having to get up slowly because maybe they have uh, any issues going on with... um, you know, their their blood pressure, something that would make them dizzy when they stand up, things like that. Chances are that person is going to have a fall while they're at home and end up in a skilled nursing after they've had a hospital visit. And I've had about five or six clients recently since November that have had something like this happen. And why I think it's important is because I have said to these folks, please come with me and look at three or four different communities, not because you're moving that person today, but because a fall is imminent and we wanna make sure that we get that person um, set, ready, we've chosen a place, we're not waiting till a trauma happens to choose a community and be, be forthright, be, be ahead of the game, get a plan in place, look at communities, get over the shock of, of, you know, having someone else take care of your person. It's painful. It's, it's emotional. It's stressful. It's heartbreaking. It is all of that times a thousand. It's, It's one of the hardest things that people ever have to do is put especially a spouse into a care community and let someone else take over that care. And even when people have a best laid plan, I still find that they will struggle with the decision on it. They'll struggle with looking at the communities. They struggle with the entire process. They don't sleep well. Uh, They could be arguing with the person. It could be just, you know, a subject that you can't bring up. There's all kinds of problems that can happen with it. And even when you think you're prepared, it can still be really difficult and scary to let someone else take care of that person that you love. And so having said that, what I typically see is if somebody is struggling with their motor skills— or you know having stomach gastric issues or anything like that and they fall or they get sick and they end up in a hospital typically what will happen is the hospital will say looking at the situation or the the spouse and how old they are and what shape they are in and so on and so forth and the person with the dementia what their what their progression looks like and all the variables that will come into play in a situation like this, and they will say that person cannot go home. That person has to go to a skilled nursing, and from there, they will end up going to an assisted living or a care community of some type. And I would say that the odds are about nine out of ten times that's what happens. And when they get into a skilled nursing, almost always the skilled nursing place will say they get anywhere from four weeks to nine weeks for recovery and uh, feeling better. And if that, even if that person has broken a hip, a leg, um, an arm, whatever it is, Typically, after about two weeks, they will tell you that your time is up. I had a client who broke her leg in three places and had bones sticking through the skin and had also broken her opposite side of her body, shoulder and arm, and in two and a half weeks, they said she had to leave. And the reason is because that person with the diagnosis Has a tendency to cry or they will yell for help. They will have to be fed. Um, They struggle with trying to get out of bed because they don't understand what's happening to them. Um, There's just a myriad of issues that can happen. And And their reaction to it, because they don't know what is happening to them, their judgment and reasoning isn't working, and they are struggling with understanding the magnitude of what has happened with this injury that they've had. And as soon as they are keeping other residents awake, as soon as they are trying to get out of bed multiple times as soon as they are crying a lot, they don't want that person with Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or Louie body there. They'll get them out as soon as they possibly can. And even if it's another issue, if it's an issue of um, them struggling with, you know, uh, what they're eating or things like that, as soon as they can get that person up, and they are walking um, 100 to 150 feet, bye-bye. We've got a discharge date. That's how it works. And you wouldn't believe how many times I have people say, well, that's not what the skilled nursing place said. That's not what they, that's not what they said I could have. They said he could be here for X amount of time, or they said she could stay until she's fully healed. Uh, no. No, no, no. And oftentimes, if you have physical therapy coming in, uh, occupational therapy coming in, and they're assisting in any way, shape, or form, um, the thing that you need to do is look at it and say, okay, can you specify that my person uh, can have physical therapy and have palliative therapy? meaning continuing to help that person get better, having that person um, continue to progress and, and be able to get up and walk around and to even talk to people, those kind of things. If you get the palliative green light for therapy, when they leave the skilled nursing, they can get it at the home that you have chosen, the care community which you've chosen. If they don't write anything at all, then you're stuck. Then you're stuck. Then you have to go back to a doctor. You have to take your person out of the community, take them to a doctor and say they are not quite healed. We still need some physical therapy. And um, if anybody's ever tried to get somebody with Alzheimer's in and out of a car when they don't want to or go to a doctor when they don't want to, uh, you know what I'm talking about. This is not something you want to have happen. This isn't the way that that you want to address it, and it's going to be a nightmare. So it is imperative that you get them to say they can have palliative, physical, or occupational and or occupational therapy continuing while they move into a new community until they are healed. If they don't write anything or if they say it is now comfort care, all bets are off, you will not get that physical therapy in place. You absolutely will not get that physical therapy in place. One of the other things, backing up just a little bit, when they leave the hospital, you have have to check and make sure that any specific notes that they have put in about The food a person can eat or can't eat, if they're diabetic, it's especially important. Um, What they can and cannot have needs to be transferred over from the hospital to the skilled nursing. I just had a client whose husband's information was never sent over, and he had a very bad stomach, which was why he landed in the hospital, and they ended up feeding him food that he could not eat. And he became more sick while he was at the skilled nursing. And it was only because of the wife's diligence that she pointed it out. And the nurses said, well, it isn't in his chart. Well, if it isn't in his chart, it means nothing. They will not listen to family members. So you have to, not on purpose, it's just because they only go by what, you know, a hospital or what have you sent over. The assisted living or whatever. So you have to be your person's advocate. You have to be on top of this and always speak up for them and always double check what's in their chart and what you want to have um, put in place when they move into a community. Because, say, for example, you don't care if that person has a glass of wine or a beer on occasion with their dinner or something like that, if that's something that they always had and enjoyed. Um, typically, we try not to self-medicate people with Alzheimer's or any of these other things. But if that's something that they've always enjoyed and you want it to continue, it has to be put in through doctor's notes. Even... even. Um, vitamins have to be put in the doctor's notes in order for them to be transferred to the care community so that they implement that as a part of that person's care plan. So we have to think about these things. And um, again, I will tell you, on any given day when somebody goes from a hospital to a skilled nursing, whatever amount of time they tell you, you have a fourth of that. It's just how it's going to work out. And if you think you've got four to six weeks to go around and look for a care community at that point, you're wrong. I guarantee they're going to cut that time short significantly and tell you there's a a move out date. And here's the little nugget that goes with it. They will tell you that person can stay if you want a private pay. Well, if you're going to private pay, private pay when you move them into the place that's going to be their final resting place, not not a grave, I mean a, a nursing home or a care community. So, you know, <laughs> it's never what it seems. It's always worse than you think it's going to be. You're always going to have less time than you you think you're going to have. And so if you can take care of all this prior to something happening, if you know that they are getting unstable, if you know they are eating less, if you know that they're losing weight, that they are losing their language, they're not able to communicate as good as they used to, these are the things that you want to think about and say to yourself, now is a good time to... um, Either bring in home care, a home care company to help you, or look for that additional care from somebody else, recognizing and accepting the fact that the scope of care has reached a point that you can't handle it anymore. I'm not blaming you for that. I'm not trying to say it just like off the, off the tip of my tongue, you know, not understanding how difficult this is for all of you. I get it. It's painful, it's horrible, it's it's devastating when you realize you can no longer take care of the person you've been married to for 40 or 50 years. I can't think of very many things that are worse than that. I really, I really can't. I so get it, I, I understand. So the more time you have to put some thought and effort towards this, the better off you will be because trying to do it when you're in a tragedy situation, when you're in a traumatic situation where somebody has fallen and now they are injured and it it doesn't, work very well for them to heal well, just think about it for yourself. If you're in your 40s and 50s, you start realizing that when you have an accident or an injury, you don't rebound as quickly as you used to. And the older we get, the slower and the longer amount of time that takes. And so when it happens, especially with a person with a degenerative brain disease, and now they have memory loss and language issues and everything else on top of it, cognitive impairment, it takes twice as long, three times as long. And yet the time you get from the hospital and the skilled nursing decreases instead of increases. And you feel like you're, you're not in the game. You feel like you're up against a wall, and it doesn't have to be that way. So go before these problems start. Look into the communities in your neighborhood. Go on your state websites and find out what information you can find out about that community. Call and ask where the, who the local ombudsman is for the communities you're looking at the zip code, and and ask if you can meet with that ombudsman and find out what are the better places in the area that have the least amount of deficiencies and the least amount of strikes against them for their care. And ask, you know, what executive director has been there the longest amount of time? And can they tell you the longevity of the staff? Do they have good outdoor area um, for your person? How many men are there versus how many women? Um, How do they handle nutritional intake? How many activities do they have throughout the day? Is it just one in the morning, one in the afternoon? You can get all these questions answered and more just by doing a little bit of research and trying to just be ahead of the curve, be ahead of the game. And, cho- and look at two, three, four places and choose the one that you feel is going to suit your person's need the best with their type of personality and, and the, the manager style and executive director style and, and all the different components that go into choosing a place and how they treat people. All this will serve you well because once you choose a place, you can put down a deposit, you can go over and visit it with other family members and see you know, a little bit more about the place and learn a little bit more about the place and what furniture you will need to move in and, and all of that so that when the time comes and that person takes a fall, you're not trying to make that decision at that point in time. And then you're going to remember this podcast and you're going to say, oh, yeah, Jill told us. They are going to go to the hospital. They're going to be moved to skilled nursing within a week or two. Uh, they're going to tell you that that person has to leave. And I'll tell you, the, a, a person that I've been working with said to me, well, they told me that, you know, my husband has X amount of time. And I said, based on his physical ability— I think they're going to call you probably today and say he's got to leave. And, and she was saying, oh, no, he has till another, you know, two weeks, another two weeks. I said, I am willing to bet they're going to call you within the next few days, probably even today, and tell you he has to leave. And not two hours after I had a conversation with my client, the skilled nursing called and said his discharge date is Thursday in two days. And by the way, if you want him to stay, we can do it, but it's private pay. And I will tell you nationwide, in the United States at least, that private pay is about $450 a day. So if that person isn't going to go home, you might as well go ahead and set it up with the community and let the community that you've chosen for the memory care know that they're coming a few days early and just make sure that they can take him or her. And, um, you know, having constant communication with that executive director is a key. So you know if they're able to move him in a couple of days early, two weeks early, or whatever it is. It's stressful enough. It's emotional enough. Don't wait till the last minute. I'm telling you, nobody wins. In fact, You have a lot to lose and a lot to risk if you wait too long, if you don't get it done in the amount of time that you need to get it done. I'm going to take a short break, and when I come back, I will talk about the benefits of moving into a community and what uh, to look for.
2: Living and working with Alzheimer's and other dementias can often be challenging. Summit Resilience Training provides education, utilizing non-medical approaches for those who work with our friends affected by dementia. Believing families still need one-on-one assistance, we provide classes which help them understand the diseases affecting their loved ones, offering strategies and techniques for success with activities of daily living and working with confusing behaviors. We offer in-home assessments to clarify symptoms of dementia diseases and help families work together to find moments of joy while living with memory loss and impairment. Education programs instilling person-centered care philosophies are offered for professional caregivers working in communities and homes, which can be customized for their staff. Training is also available for first responders such as law enforcement, fire, and EMT personnel. We are passionate that people with dementias such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and others are approached with compassion and understanding, and those who work with them have all the tools they need for success. Call us at Summit Resilience Training, 303-420-6988 to schedule a class or in-home assessment. Visit our website at trainingcom for more information.
0: Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz.
1: Okay, I'm back, and I've been talking about moving somebody, you know, from the hospital to skilled nursing and then to a community. But let's shift gears and talk about how scary it is when they've been ill, when they've had a break, when they're trying to get up and move around, when we're struggling with them standing up and falling and getting dizzy and and the PT isn't isn't all done and and all that kind of stuff. On any given day that's bad enough, right? And and just moving your person into a community is bad enough. But here's the thing. If you have done your work, if you've found a place, if you've met the executive director, if you've come back a couple times, you've looked at a room, you've given a deposit, you're ready from that pragmatic standpoint, not emotional, but pragmatic standpoint, uh, you know what size the room is. You, You kind of have scoped out what furniture will fit. You know whether or not you need to buy some new things or bring some items from home, get the room set up, how everything can sort of morph into that room being ready when that person gets ready to move in. Super important. Doll the room up. Put some pictures of uh, family members. Go to a Hobby Lobby or a Michaels or whatever craft, arts and crafts store you have wherever you are in the world and get some plastic uh, replacement for glass you don't want to put glass in a room with a person with Alzheimer's because they go to grab the picture to look at it and try and take it off the wall, and they drop it, and it, and it breaks. They might step on the glass. Uh, it has happened. So try to make sure that you, you do that. Um, some of the things that you can work on is, in advance, labeling clothes labeling slippers. You can use black sharpies to write the person's name that are waterproof, so the they're permanent markers. Um, you can even write in their dentures if you need to. Uh, they take them out and walk away and and you know somebody will throw them in the garbage and a care care provider may not even know. Um, I would write or etch their name especially really permanently in their hearing aids because, again, they'll take those off at any given moment. And hearing aids are expensive. So if we can get them back to the right person, even their name and left and right and which one it goes in and all that kind of stuff, label these things. Label their clothes. Um, Label their underwear. Just write their name in it. They won't know anyway. It doesn't matter. And uh, that way they can get all their laundry back at the end of the day. Um, Try not to go to a place that charges you a community fee or a rising fee. Um, I know I'm a little late to the party here on bringing that up. That should have been brought up earlier. I know. I get this. But it just came to my head. So... um, You don't want any tiered pricing because there's no reason for you to be penalized for a person progressing with a disease. Um, I will hear pricing from anywhere from $75 to $300 a month for incontinent products. If they're charging you $300 a month, they're charging you triple. So don't, don't go there. Um, you can oftentimes provide your own, um, and that will suffice, but it's kind of a pain to have to lug all that in, you know, depends and stuff like that, um, uh, monthly. So it it behooves you to pay the community that fee, but but if it's more than $100, I would seriously question it. So when you're looking at a community, look at these pricing structures and what they're charging and And what makes sense, but I like flat rates that can maybe have every year or two or three a small percentage increase of like two to three percent rather than somebody having a tiered structure because you can get from 6,000 to 10,000 in a freaking heartbeat. And I find these... um, I find these communities that think that they're highfalutin and so pretty and made for a king and queen and all that kind of stuff on the outside. They have a tendency to charge a a community fee. I've heard some of them like, uh, well, like Balfour. They charge it, so I'm going to tell you. um, $10,000 per person when you move in as a community fee. What is that? What is that? why 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 would you pay a big community fee like that <laughs> that's ridiculous you're just I mean what you might as well pay to have uh you know the living room of the area renovated or something I don't get that at all for the seven eight thousand nine thousand ten thousand dollars you're paying a month for your person to be there they can renovate the whole damn place. So uh, if somebody wants to charge a community fee, turn around and walk out. You don't need to be paying for their renovations and their painting and all that kind of stuff. They're making plenty of money off of every person that's living there month to month. Trust me. <laughs> when you're paying seventy dollars to uh, $100,000 for a person to live there a month and there's 40 or 50 or hundreds of people living there, they have more than enough money for capital improvements. They don't need your extra money for it. Yeah. I'm back to somebody saying, boy, they really pissed you off on that last uh, show. This makes me (laughs) (laughs) mad. Oh, my God. Anyway, you know, and I said to Brian, you know, my engineer, when I came in today that um, I hope if nothing else, when you listen to my podcast, you know I will tell you the truth. You know I will guide you. I don't sugarcoat it. I drop an F-bomb occasionally. I'm sorry about that. Uh, No, sorry, not sorry. I'm not sorry. No. If something ticks me off and I want to say it, I just say it. Because what we struggle with is not having somebody to tell you the truth. I don't know how often I meet somebody that says, Oh my gosh, I wish I would have met you two years ago or three months ago or whatever it is, right? And, um, you know, I try to guide people as best I can. I'm in the trenches with you, I'm trying to figure this stuff out. And give you this information so you don't have pitfalls on your way. If you've never walked into a care community, how do you know how to judge one against another? (laughs) You don't. That's why you need to call the local ombudsman and ask them. They'll tell you the truth. They'd rather tell you before you get in there. They're supposed to be your advocate, they're the state advocate. And no matter where you are, By the way, I love all you. I just realized the other day that I have people listening to my show in 72 countries besides the United States. That rocks. So I don't know what your situations are where you live. I'm hoping that they're somewhat similar to what they are in the States. But um, I'll tell you what. I would, if I get sick, I'm going to have my, my husband take me to the Netherlands because those people in the Netherlands, they got it going on with their communities. I mean, love, love, love the way you treat your people that have Alzheimer's, your, your beautiful care communities that look like farms and everything else. And, oh, man, I'm, I'm green with envy. But back to the subject, (laughs) when you are looking for a community, find out from somebody that runs your government and state how that community works. Drop in on them. Don't just take it for granted that they do what they say they do when you have a set appointment. They might be just shining things up and smiling for you, um, and that's not really the way they work. Pop in pop in. COVID is just about over. (laughs) From my mouth to God's ears, right? I hope it's just about over. And we can start going into these communities and checking them out again. And what kind of engagement pieces do they have throughout the day? The benefits of moving someone into a community almost always is that someone will be monitoring their nutritional intake. You will have eyes on your person, hopefully every hour on the hour, and that they're communicating with them, that they're giving them hugs, that they're engaging them in activities, that they're um, recognizing and, uh, you know, bringing... Enjoyment to them with like their religious beliefs. Maybe they have somebody coming in and and doing a sermon for them or giving them communion or something like that. Um, You can have a doctor come in and check on them in a rounding situation where they come just about every week. Sometimes they come every two weeks, but doctors will come in and check on them regularly. That's more than you would have them at a doctor's office anyway. Uh, they can have a rounding dentist that comes in so you don't have to take them to the dentist and, and fight with what's a good day and what's a bad day and things like that. Um, hopefully, they, you can set up a, a plan where they can get um, shaved or get their hair done or, or their fingernails taken care of and their toenails looked at and stuff like that on a regular basis. The, just the social interaction that they get when they move into a community, is priceless. The fact that they have other people around them, that they can make friends, that they can go out and work in a garden or or take a ride in a van and go up to the mountains, things that maybe you never thought about doing because it was just too hard to get them in and out of a, a car. The The... Engagement that they have with the staff, with the activities director, with other people in the community can help bring a really robust and substantial quality of life to them. They might laugh a little bit more. They might like sitting and having dinner with three or four other people at a time. They may enjoy the artwork. They might enjoy the pet visits that can happen. Um, If that community has a dog or a cat or something like that, that's a plus if your person is an animal lover. There's just so many positives that can happen when someone moves into a community. It doesn't mean that you're not needed as a family member anymore. It doesn't mean that you're not going to miss them, that you're not going to be lonely and heartbroken when they first leave and that, you know, there's a whole host of emotional strife that comes when you have to go home and live by yourself again. You never expected you were going to have to do that. That's not a joy ride. That's not fun. But what can happen is you can go have coffee with a friend now. You can go have lunch with with someone. You can take a trip to visit your daughter who lives on the East or West Coast. You can go in and visit your wife or relative, whoever it is, or friend... And just be their friend or family member again. And you can enjoy that time with them and then leave when you're done and go home and read a book or watch the Olympics or whatever it is, right? So it's not a perfect world. But when you... Can not be so stressed out when you are sleeping again, when they are cared for and well in the community that you have taken the time to choose for them. You can still be their advocate, you can still check on them daily or you know, a couple times a week. I hope you don't necessarily have to come daily. I'd like to see you come every other day or every third day. Um, Start finding what your chapter next is going to be and just pay attention to how the staff is interacting with them. Ask a lot of questions. Uh, When you come to visit them, Come when you know they're going to have an activity or lunch or dinner in about an hour. Only stay for about an hour and then let them take your person into the lunchroom or get them engaged in an activity and let them know that you're going to be leaving in five minutes or something and could they come and run interference. So you can say, I'll be back in a little bit or um, "You know, I'm just going to go run an errand or something and then you just... Don't come back until the next time you come to visit. But don't make a big deal out of the time when you leave. That just makes it harder. And you, I promise you, when your loved one moves into a community, if they tell you, I hate it here, take me home, blah, 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 and it goes on and that's heartbreaking and you can leave in tears. As soon as you leave, they're going to tell the staff, my wife or husband never comes to visit me. It happens all the time. They forget that you were even there. And they just miss you and think that they should leave with you. That's why they're saying things like that. So don't let that kind of stuff stress you out. Find a way to have somebody run interference so when you leave, you can leave peacefully, you can leave happily, and, you, and set something that you can go do. Go to the grocery store, run to the post office, have lunch with a friend, um, whatever it is that you need to do. Go get your nails done, whatever. Uh, have it after you've had that meeting with your person so that you can recover quicker You can have some joy in your life, and you have something to do when you leave there. Try not to just go home to an empty house. That can be devastating. It can be sad. It can create depression. So, again, having a plan helps you not plan to fail. It will help you to really put a a strategy in place and have it work for you as best as you can in an impossible situation. So, you know, I, I am really a firm believer that when you have that scope of care, start to be more than you can handle, that's when you need to pull out all stops and ask somebody to help you. If you live in the Colorado area, I will help you. I can help you on a phone. I can help you with trying to uh, understand what to do, you know, or through Zoom or something like that um, when you're trying to look for a place. And, and and uh, again, listen to this podcast and any podcast that I have had. If you go on my website and you look at my blog and podcast site, there's a little search engine. And in that search at the top of the page, you can put in trying to find a nursing home or the difference between assisted living and in memory care or whatever it is. Talk to me about Louie Body. Give me uh, any conversations with a doctor, things like that. And it will pull up any of the shows that I have done on this subject. So that will be helpful to you. Okay. Now, before I go today, and by the way, again, if you're new to my podcast and stuff, um, my website is summitresiliencetraining.com S-U-M-M-I-T, resilience is spelled R-E-S-I-L-I-E-N-C-E training.com. Go on my website, I have a ton of information, free information. I also want to tell you that if you can, if you can get on Zoom, on my website on the front page, I have a monthly class on the first Wednesday every month. And Every other month, I talk about the brain and how the brain functions and what Alzheimer's and these different dementias are and how we work with them when the brain is impaired. On the opposite months, I have specialty topics. This next month, it's going to be in March, it's going to be um, legal issues, power of attorney. What if somebody's not listening to you when you need to invoke the power of attorney? When can you do that? Um, What do they mean? What ways will you have to alter your house or modify uh, your house to make it safe for the person to be there? Um, And what kind of financial strains will that be? What ways do you have to uh, look at your person's finances and things like that to make sure they're not being scammed or spending too much money? That is the topic on the March show. It's 1.30 to 3.30 mountain time in the United States, but I have people from all over the world get on this. I had somebody last week from the UK that it was uh, it was the middle of the night for them and they got on my pot on my uh, class. So you can join those classes. They are free. And I would love for you to get on and learn more and find ways to strategize and use techniques to make your life easier when you are working with somebody with a neurogenerative disease. All right, folks, I think I've said enough for the day. I hope you have a good rest of your February. And I will see you next week on Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz.
0: been listening to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. To learn more about her resources, services, classes, or to book speaking engagements, visit Jill's website at Training.com. A new podcast drops every Tuesday, so join us as we learn more about dementias, resilience, and overcoming obstacles to find a positive outcome. Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Please subscribe and give us a five star rating. Musical and technical support provided by Brian Hunter. See you next week.